So uh, let's let's uh, get started. I am Jonathan Thomas. Uh, welcome to the ground beneath grace. This is I don't know what episode it is, but it is the second episode that we're talking about um, media, movies, music, books, uh, and those things that have a really spiritual or um, you know Christian message behind them. They might not necessarily be. Christian movie, they might not be a Christian song or, or a Christian book, but uh, could be. But these are songs that I think we find in culture, and they are, you know, definitely you you see them, you hear them, uh, you've you've read them, and you go, wow, that's got a great message. So, uh, Joey, Paul, welcome. Thank you, <laughs> Joey Walter. You can call me Sputnik. Oh, I, we weren't going to get rid of that, were we? That's it. That's all I'm doing. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> Drop the mic and walk away. Go get your dog. I don't know what the deal is. We only had 30 minutes of Sputnik last time. So what, what's three seconds here? Uh, that's cute. You think it's going to be three seconds. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see your new equipment. And yeah. We'll raise you more references. <laughs> All right, sorry, Paul. It's, I didn't mean to walk in your introduction. <laughs> I wasn't doing it. You did. You said Joey Walter, and you are. That's all I said. There's I'm lots done. of jokes with, with that, and we'll get to that I'm... later. <laughs> if the listeners are Wall of Fame. Yeah, I'm Paul Drew, and I'm here along for the ride. That's my whole life. That is my job here. I'm just here for the ride. If if our listening audience could only see what I see, so this is this is good. So. All right, uh, <laughs> this is this is the best. Who doesn't want to listen best. to this? Who does not want to listen to this? Well, yeah, we should have a we should have moment of silence for Festivus. Yes, we should right. for the rest of us. It's true. Yes, <laughs> the rest of us. We can look at it and just uh, call, we can change the name to just like the insanity. The surviving in, insanity. I, somebody help me because I'm not doing it. But surviving that pandemic. Yeah. Just three guys just doing their whole life together online. <laughs> right. For the rest of ever. <laughs> movie, movie thought. I'm just saying it could be there. Hey, now well, I want to write a movie instead of talking about it tonight. Exactly. So I'm. Why not? I mean. Why not? People are writing coronavirus songs and raps. Yes. I just want it clear that when it comes uh, to who I cast as me, I get Denzel Washington. <laughs> it's the hair. I do think it will be interesting to see uh, once we're back to normal, whatever normal is, um, how all of these uh, creative people, uh, unlike myself, who have been locked up with nothing to do, the stuff, the songs that come out, the movies, the screenplays, whatever, Things like that, I think, will be really interesting. I think we'll see a whole wave of stuff, just like a whole new wave of kids. <laughs> <laughs> All named after beers. <laughs> Corona. <laughs> Miller Lite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yep. There's going to be a humongous graduating class in about 18 years or 19 years now. So. <laughs> Well, that infers that there's survival of all those kids. I'm just saying it's a rough life out there, you know. As we have learned. (laughs) (laughs) Terrible. I just think if something's going to, you know, 
get people, it's going to be the parents who have to homeschool who are not used to doing that. That is going to be the killer. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, I did read something that says um, if you're uh, homeschooling your kids, you can start drinking at 10 a.m. You can start what? Drinking at 10 a.m. Oh. <laughs> Makes sense. That doesn't include the morning toddy. Yes. I mean, does. that's breakfast. There you go. No, oh, it does. It does. Okay. Hey, and th- that's the ground beneath grace. That's all I can say. <laughs> this is everybody needs grace right now. <laughs> it's the rubber hitting the road. So, oh, I digress or get us back on track. But so here we are. Everybody's chosen some media format. Paul, did you choose a song or book, movie? I went movie. Okay. Yeah, I got I got movie, but I'm gonna let Joey go with one of his first. Right, and Joey. And you and I can go with our one, <laughs> and then he can follow up with his other seven. Joey, are another they seven. all movies? Seventeen. Seventeen. Uh, one song and two movies. Okay. Maybe two movies. Maybe just one movie. Okay. Well, yeah. I think you should start with the movie, and then. Uh, song, or we could go song, movie, Paul, and then movie, Joey, and then I don't know. I have a, I, I have a song I could, it's right here. I just didn't really write as much yeah. down about it. So if it's Marilyn Monroe's happy birthday, Mr. President. All right. <laughs> is that what it is? <laughs> Dang it. Did you see my notes? Did you see what I had up pulled up on my I phone did. here? I, I, I hacked I hacked your phone, uh, your notebook that you still keep. If you don't think that that was spiritual in some nature, <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Okay, Joey, right. lead us off. Yes. Okay. Uh, movie would first movie would be Superman. The uh, Christopher Reeve first Superman. Um, so you got all the elements. He's like a savior, okay, that's sent to Earth from another place, okay. Who so is not born, or he was not born here, but anyway, um, you could say Lex Luthor was the devil. Uh, he had supernatural powers, not necessarily healing powers, but he did have supernatural powers. Um, but yeah, for the most part, he was kind of worshipped, definitely held to a higher standard. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. So, it. so I mean, there's the whole, you turned the earth backwards. Okay. And did time backwards, right? Right. Sure. I mean, Lois, spoiler alert, but uh, Lois Lane, if I recall in that, like she was crushed in an earthquake or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he's like. say that she was Mary Magdalene-esque, maybe? Help me out with that one, Joe. (laughs) Help me out with that one. And is is, uh, Dan Brown's movie uh, your next movie? Is that one? (laughs) (laughs) How did you know? Oh, I, oh. I mean, that one makes sense, but really? <laughs> that, you know, I was thinking a lot of things, but that was one thing I was not thinking, actually. I feel like if you're going to throw that out there, you need to help 
both your co-hosts, the guy along for the ride, and the listener that we have. <laughs> the, the listener? Yeah. Yeah, let's... <laughs> Let's go back. I mean, so you gave us some bullet points there, but like weave the fabric of, you know, the heart of this here. Cause you, you pulled, you've talked about this one before you said Superman. I thought you said Superman two, but maybe you were saying this movie, this movie and Superman two. And so I was thinking or of Superman, this. Al- Superman also. <laughs> I was thinking of also Superman two. I was like, is that the one also, with Richard Pryor was in that movie? I didn't know. I, I, thought I don't that was... remember this. I don't remember Superman that's, 2. Is that the that's one? That's called with... Brewster's uh, Millions. So go ahead. What? <laughs> no. Is Superman 2 the one where they get caught in like the glass and they're spinning out into space, the three evil people? I yeah, think so. I think they come back. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't remember that one as well. I just remember, the, to me, the whole concept of, of Superman, I think, is very... Um, similar to Jesus in terms of those, those bullet points, those few things. Um, I don't know. Obviously, um, not everyone agrees, but I don't know. Those, that's the, for me, that's the thing. I think it, it, they kind of have similarities. Well, and I think that definitely everybody loves, first off, Christopher Reeve and uh, God rest his soul. He uh, really did come across as something that really was attractive to our culture at that time. I just remember, you know, it was just stood out to you. And uh, I think the one part, I guess for me, what stands out is, you know, he was superhuman, but he still experienced earthly emotion, you know. There was that one thing about whatever it was, the sun, you know, that, you know, kept his powers. He had powers, but he, you know, whatever it did or enhanced those. I, I'm not, I don't know the whole Superman story. But, you know, when his dad dies, right? Very emotional scene. Um, even in the remakes, I think about that. Uh, of course, he's compassionate. He sees, you know, people who are being pushed around, harassed, helpless. And uh, he has to make this decision, right, to step into that and, do something right so you know in some ways also too the purposeful plan i think for jesus was right he was sent here on a mission superman kind of accidentally found himself here but then he gets on a mission and he starts using these powers to do some things so i just uh i lean into that story of the humanity part he experienced emotion uh grief sorrow at the very end like we were talking about lois lane you know she gets crushed and he emotion filled and flies backwards around the earth and spins it back. I don't think that would work. I think that would throw the planet into absolute destruction, (laughs) but Hey, it was, it was good. I mean, I'm glad they thought of that. Paul. I don't think we have to worry about that one. I'm not, whether it works or not, is that important (laughs) in literature? I don't think it is. It's story. So it's just like, I think we can go ahead and move this into the scripture realm as well. Whether the literalness (laughs) of it is the thing that matters. Well, it's the idea, right? Then let's move it there. And so what does he do? Man, this is a stretch. He restores. Right. Let me bring it around. He says yes to his calling. And he restores. And the fact that he is not like us. Right. Yeah. I don't know if there's any redemption in that. Maybe that's Superman too, and we go too far, but I don't know. I haven't watched that. <laughs> I've probably watched that more than I've watched um what was it, Batman versus Superman? 
What what year did Superman first one come out? What what year was that? I think it was like seventy seven or no, maybe early eighties. Yeah, it was it was a while ago. Yeah, it, I'm I'm thinking like very late seventies or early eighties. Yeah did did yeah. uh <clears throat> was that one you saw in the theaters? You did you go to the theaters and see that as? Yeah, yeah, I did see that one. Uh, I think I guess I've seen all the Superman movies. I don't. There's a couple that I've watched more than once. Obviously not Superman two. Um, <laughs> the one, the one, like when Batman Returns came out with uh, Keaton. No, um, like back, like maybe 2007, 2010, somewhere in there. Uh, what is that guy's name? Batman. There's Val Kilmer. That, uh, there's yeah, that, uh, that more recent Christian Bale. Um, Christian Bale. Yeah, as Batman. Okay, so so that came out, and then they made a, a like a Superman Returns or something. Yeah, I don't even think I watched the whole one of that. It was pretty terrible. That was a Brandon Roush they, one. Yeah, Brandon yeah. Roush. That was, I was trying. I thought it was. I couldn't remember if it was Brandon or Brendan. Um, but then they made then Man of Steel. I really like Man of Steel. I thought that was good with Kevin Costner and um, yeah, Diane. Oh, Lane, yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. Is that Henry Cavill? Uh, he, is that who played? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought he, I thought that yeah, was one. I thought that was a really good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah they did great at that. Yeah, wow. okay. I got it here. It's uh, 1978. 1978 is the first Superman movie came out. Uh, 1980 yep. was the second one, and it was Superman three. That was the one that had Richard Pryor. Just in case anybody would know, I did remember he was in one of those. So. I don't. I don't remember that at all. I don't know how Richard That's, Pryor ended up in a Superman movie, but I don't know how I forgot that. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Joey, 78. Were you even born yet? Yeah. Yeah, I was six. I think you and I are the same age. I'm, that's not anything I'm confessing to. <laughs> uh, you know what? I've got both of you beat on that one. So just celebrated. <laughs> bring that up. Just celebrated 50 years. So I am happy belated birthday, by the way. Thank you. Sorry, half, I missed it. Half a century right here. My Facebook notifications are not showing up, so I didn't know it was your birthday. Uh, yeah, let's go with that yeah. one. So truthfully, yeah, I that's the same problem. That's I, what I'm saying. I took off the uh, "It's my birthday." So. Let everybody on Facebook know. So no worries about it. Uh, other people hijacked my page and put it up. Uh, so no worries. It doesn't send a notify a notification. So, and I think Paul just froze. I've got this nice still shot of him. Oh, all right. Looks like I lost everybody here. Oh, connecting. It must be my Wi-Fi. There, but anyway, hey, what happened there? Apparently, <laughs> I'm old. 
you're, saying, you're older than us. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Someone asked me, they said, uh, so how's it feel being 50? I said, well, it kind of feels like I've felt for the last four years. So I guess I felt like 50 for the last four years. Yeah, or maybe you're ageless at this point. That, no, that's not true. So, <laughs> oh, okay. Well, Joey, hey, thanks for sharing and uh, with us the Superman story. I do want to see it again. 1978, Christopher Reeves. And I think there were four, were there four or five in the expanded Superman universe? Uh, it looks like yeah, there remember. are at least five before they went into. Um, it's you know, DC. I don't watch those. Uh, don't watch those. <laughs> Marvel lover. <clears throat> <laughs> Okay, look, I got you. I, wow. I I get you here. I understand. Let's go off this little rant, but the only reason that DC movies are not good is because they try to make them all family friendly, and they're just not. It's not family friendly. Sorry, it's just the way it is. Um, really, you think that's why DC isn't good? Yes, because sure, they try to they, they try to make it like the Marvel Avengers and those guys are good and they're nice there's nothing nice in the dc universe that's it's these guys batman literally is the joker who's one of the most wicked persons on the planet earth in that storyline and the only thing is you know batman and the joker i mean they are mirror images it's just joker has lived his insanity out and batman just can't take it there so he fights for justice yeah, you got to read the comic books. It's completely different. But no, right. Batman is so a good Jesus guy. Jesus in religion and in media. <laughs> <laughs> How do we get off on that, Paul? Don't distract me. Look, I don't watch DC oh, movies. Well, but... No, I mean we might be opening up the real conversation now. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, in in Superman that Joe's talking about, it's easy enough to see the Superman comes from another place right i mean and we can line that up with jesus and that's fine because he is not of this place and uh he comes to incarnate himself and you see his struggle with his power his calling and he comes through but i think that it's a beautiful thing that you bring up that batman and the joker are, are really the same character one just can't go as far into insanity and he has lots of money and he has a lot of money. Yeah, that's true. But isn't that what it's about? Isn't that about the eternal struggle that we have within ourselves? Right? Yeah, that we sure. can e easily go into the insanity of the Joker. And some of us would like to live there because it looks fun, <laughs> but somewhat unsanitary. Um, and yeah. then the Joker, where we're all called to do good, you know, with, with what we have and the positions that we're given. Right. Now, I, it, it is. I mean, it's. If you read the Fall of the Dark Knight, this was Frank Miller back 1988, 89, somewhere in there, um, really drew out this part of what everybody knew Batman was and, and the storyline. And you take a look at what you go, this, this is this, you know, protagonist. There's this antagonism that, that happens on this other side, but they're very well matched. And I think it comes out in you know, Christopher Nolan's Batman. There's a little bit of that conflict there. I think they do a pretty good job that it's, 
it's really hard to see the, the superhero-ness. I think that DC tried to create some Marvel spin-off ideas by bringing the A-team together, and they, they really did a horrible job with that. But individually, as films are made, if you look, uh, if, um, maybe I didn't see it, but I did, the movie The Joker. And it's rated no, I haven't R. Seen that. I actually want to see that. Oh, my goodness. And you, you see this, and then you go, that is insanity. And you put that in the Gotham experience. You put that in this human quality, this human nature. On the other side of it, I guess, you know, we're talking about spiritual things. It was definitely it brings up, you know, this wickedness, you know, that can be had in people. This this insanity. And Batman is just that kind of guy. He just doesn't go as far as everybody else. That's the difference between the Joker and Batman. So. And yeah, but uh, yeah, Joker rated R. Can't see that with the kids. No, not at all. So you don't think your kids have seen it? Uh, my son has seen it. My okay. rest of my kids have not. Okay, all right, all right. But okay. fantastic. But not on their spiritual movie list. That's not the one I was going to talk about. <laughs> oh, okay, all right. It's right. just a sidetrack <laughs> on DC comic. I don't know. Money makers. Well, yeah. All right. So mine is from 2008, directed by Ryan Johnson, a nice little film called The Brothers Blue. Have you guys watched it? I have not. It is perhaps one of my favorites because it's a con movie that ultimately is not about a cop. Um and it's really interesting to read the reviews. Some loved it because it was a great movie, and some hated it because there wasn't enough action and it didn't wrap up the con. It left you with too many questions at the end. Uh, but ultimately, the con, or cons, plural, um, weren't drawn up and tidied up in the end. And my suggestion is because it wasn't really about the con. It's about the questions that story asks about the, and the relationships of the characters within it. So the easiest way to kind of introduce it to, because I like poetry, is they have kind of a historical prologue beforehand where they tell you uh, about uh, what's happened to bring us up to this point. So I'm going to read that part of it, and then I'm going to riff for a little bit, uh, and we can talk about it. So it starts out with a narrator saying, as far as con man stories go, I think I've heard them all. Of grifters, ropers, feral fixers, tales drawn long and tall. But if one bears a bookmark in the confidence man's tome, it would be that of Penelope and of the brothers Bloom. At 10 and 13, Bloom and Stephen, the younger and the old, had been through several foster families. No, 38 all told. Mischief moved them on in life, and moving kept them close. For Bloom had Stephen and Stephen Bloom, and both had more than most. Another home, another main street, Stephen looked around and summed up the bird thusly. Bloom, we've hit a one-hat town. One theater, one car wash, one cafe, one park, one cat, which, through some mishap, had one leg. Sweet Jesus, look at that. One public school, one night, uh, tight-knit group of local well-off kids, their pocket change brought uh, rocket pops. The brothers, pixie sticks. They were the they, all well-loved, rooted, happy as you please, always there in every town, the playground bourgeoisie. 
Could he simply talk to her, just drop his fears and leave his brother in the woods and join the children? No. So in the root of Stephen's psyche, something new began. A seed of grand epiphany, a hook, a tail, a plan, a fiction both for profit and to ease his brother's heart, a simple con in 15 steps, and this is where we start. And then, as if a curtain had been pulled back from the sky, some barrier within, the younger Bloom was broken. So Bloom performed his role in Stephen's story to a T, and being who he wasn't, could be as he wished to be. So that's the beginning of the story when they were 10 and 13, and the rest of the story happens about 25 years later. Uh, and what happens uh, throughout the time is we see that the younger brother, Bloom, which interestingly enough, you never find out his first name. Just They just call him Bloom all the way through it. Okay. Um, struggles to find meaning in life because the best that he can do is play parts in Stephen's cons that he writes up in very detailed uh, kind of stuff. So he doesn't even know who he is. He's a character in his brother sings. Every He begins to question everything around him because there's no such thing as an unscripted life. Everything that happens... Uh, there's no spontane spontaneity. There's no real joy. There's no. It's all coming from someplace else, and so you find uh, the different characters. And this is where I find that um, the interesting parts. You have um, Bang Bang, um, a um, Oriental woman who's kind of joined their gang later on, who barely speaks throughout the whole thing, but her philosophy of life is um, summed up in a tattoo on her neck, which is when you're done with it blow it up so that, that's her <laughs> whole theory of life so yeah steven which is the control freak um bloom who is questioning everything and, and doesn't really even uh, feel uh and he only plays these characters steven's uh, thing all the way throughout it is um um there's no such thing as an unscripted life and that's all Stephen wants is an unscripted life where he feels like he makes decisions and that he can feel joy and it's not planned or whatever else. And so the story kind of gets underway when they go to con this person uh, named Penelope, played by Rachel Weiss. Uh, and her character um, brings about these or represents these other things. She's uh, incredibly rich. She lost her parents at a very young age. We learn that she's been by on her own for the past 20 years because she's allergic to everything. And so she's just hanging out in her castle in New Jersey, which is kind of funny, a castle in New Jersey. But anyway, um, <laughs> and, and what she does is to entertain herself, she finds new hobbies. And basically she sees something somebody's doing and she wants to learn how to do it. So she learns karate. She learns uh, poker. She learns... Um, uh, gymnastics she learns unicycling and juggling chainsaws on unicycles i mean she just goes and she just learns it all uh and that's how she entertains herself but she's all alone um and she knows how to be spontaneous and knows how to fit uh feel emotionally inside and so these are the majority of the characters that are there that as steven goes throughout i mean as, as bloom goes throughout life trying to figure out if there's this thing as reality and what is reality and is somebody else's scripted con uh good enough um for his life and uh if you're looking at it from a theological point of view you can have fun with uh, predestination or yeah. free will 
or anything else that's, that's in there. Or you can step back and say, Stephen's mind worked such a way, from the prologue that I read, he started planning all these things because of his brother's pain. His brother didn't know how to live, and so he started writing these cons. And one of the phrases that's all the way throughout it is, uh, Stephen will say, I, I need no other audience but you, Blue. That's mm. the whole reason that I do this kind of thing. And so um, naturally you look at it and say, oh, con men and criminals, we don't want to, you know, make them out to something is but the story is the struggle all the way through it uh throughout it is and and by the end you truly don't know if what they're experiencing is part of steven's con his stories or whether it's playing that out to the very end and i'm not going to ruin it for you it's oh, a slower movie good. it's uh it's a longer one but if you get into it not for the con story but as this interaction uh looking for meaning uh, and does life actually hold meaning or are we all predestined? Are we part of something else that's going on that everybody else gets to decide or not? Or is there real passion and, and ability to feel and action and things that we make our decisions about life? And it always brought me back, and I've probably watched it 20 times now. Now I want to watch it again. Uh, it always brought me back to Ecclesiastes when the whole when the author of ecclesiastes after ruling for so long and he'd been granted uh wisdom by god a discerning heart to do that and he spent so much time studying and learning and everything else and at the end of the life you know he's saying i've done all those things i searched for it you know with excitement with with knowledge with uh you know women with thrills whatever else it is and it is meaningless meaningless all is completely meaningless uh, except you know, towards the end when, when he says, so follow God uh, from your youth, turn it all over to him, um, and you won't have to go through <laughs> what I've gone through. And he's one of the wisest, you know, richest, yeah. you know, uh, rulers of all time. And so this idea and this question that goes through is, is it possible? And then I always just ended up back at Ecclesiastes of just like, everything's meaningless, until we turn our life over to God and we, we just surrender that all to him. Anyway, Brothers Bloom, I, I could watch it two or three times a day. Um, and the more you watch it, the more I, I turn to Mindy and like, this is maybe the most perfect movie. This yeah. is so well scripted and so well done. And, and some people have loved it and some have hated it. Uh, but that's my, um, that's my movie that I want to introduce people to, to think about going. There's only two scenes that I felt awkward watching with my with my in-laws, um, but they're mature people. Yeah, they, they know how to handle it. They're good Christian friends. I, so. I think that's uh, you know for me hearing that it's that's that gem. You wouldn't normally look at it and and think of the depth in it, but even that prologue, what you were reading there, so poetic. So you you know yeah. whoever's doing this, man, they are. They're way more than I think sometimes the the mindless dribble uh, audience or movie or, you know, big explosions. I don't know if you ever um, saw um, Adaptation uh, with Nicolas oh, Cage, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. He's trying to write this story, but his brother just does another story and it's got a lot of explosions and everybody, it's a big hit, you know, and he's looking for some depth in his life and all these stories and this is kind of reminds me of that. Um, this has a secret richness to it that most people, if they're really not paying attention, could miss it. And it's absolutely it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I lined it up a lot with Ecclesiastes. But you look at the um, 
you look at the film, you know, the all the cons are temporary. They're fun until they're done. The characters are temporary. You know, bang, bang, you know, her whole thing of uh, when you're done with something, blow it up. Uh, yeah. Steven defines her with the phrase, she's with us until the wind changes. You know, so all of it is just, you get that same feeling of reading through Ecclesiastes and going, wow, this is also temporary and so right. uh, insane. Right. But is there meaning in life and can it happen? I went I went to I visited a few years back um, a friend's youth group um, and there was a guest teacher and they were taking questions um, from kids. And one of them was, uh, is it really all that exciting to follow Jesus? You know, can a life be exciting? And I was really irritated that the person who was speaking that night was um, even trying to answer that question as if we have to entice people. Yeah. You know, oh, it's going to be an exciting life. So, yeah, it's <laughs> let's put you at like, yeah, surrender your life, you know, and you're going to figure out how exciting it can be. <laughs> yeah. Right. As we say, Jesus, you know, take the wheel, so to speak, um, and, and try to live our life according to that. Um so there's, I mean, there is adventure, there is good times, there are bad times, and it's all temporary, really, yeah, right. in the long run. So what is it that we can do with our lives to to know, well, to have meaning, we live them for, for God. So that's it. Brothers Bloom, man. <laughs> Joey, they can't see you sticking up your thumbs, bro. It's just, just me to you. That's just an affirmation. That's just an affirmation that you're. It's a big thumbs up right there from Joey. That's the best finger that I've gotten from him in a long time. So that works out. Trying to mix it up. Yeah. Yeah. He used to tell me that I'm number one, but that's. Yeah, we're we're here to encourage tonight. (laughs) Big (laughs) thumbs up. Thumbs Thumbs up. up. All right, Jonathan, what do you have for us? Okay, so, you know, last time I talked about uh, Because of Winn-Dixie, I'm certain you rushed out and rented that and or watched it on Amazon or something like that. Uh, I've got oh, no, the, yeah, I ordered it's in my, it's you, in my, uh, don't lie. yeah. Don't lie. Okay. Okay. Thanks, so, that's right. <laughs> I here's, how profound, it here's how profound and in-depth I get. So the next movie that I chose was the movie Wally. Nice. By Pixar. Disney's Pixar. Have you guys seen that? Oh my gosh. Yes. Joey. Yes. How are you living your life that you haven't seen this movie? Oh my gosh. Okay, so well, it's obviously not exciting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One It's not all yeah. about excitement, Joe. Have you not heard <laughs> Are you not entertained? <laughs> okay. Well, uh so for me, my um as I mentioned, my my 50th was up this last Wednesday. And so coming home, you know, the kids are like, hey, what do you want to do? And I said, you sit down, we'll have dinner, we'll get something special. But I want to watch Wally. It's it's my favorite, uh, one of my favorite films. I even, I got, look, see, I have it on, screensaver, it's on my phone here. <laughs> um, so Joey, if you don't know the story, um, it's, it's not a big cliffhanger, spoiler alert type deal, but... Uh, this uh, is a Pixar film. It's uh, was written and directed by Andrew uh, Stanton, I believe. Andrew Stanton, his last name. He is responsible for movies like 
Toy Story. Uh, have you seen that? Yes. Okay, good. So <laughs> you kind of have an idea. Um, I think he was a part of Ratatouille. Um, I've been incarcerated for the last 30 I years. I don't yeah. know. I mean, gosh. <laughs> I don't want to assume with you anymore. You know? No, that's true. I've learned some things about Joe, and my imagination even fills them in better. So that's a good call. Yeah, so, Jonathan, so, don't assume things. Yeah, you know. Um, anyway, has he showed you his prison tat yet? No. <laughs> he told me he, he didn't not have any. Well, okay. So, it, oh gosh, no, please. My my imagination, imagine my imagination. <laughs> Okay, so this guy, he's also done, you know, Finding Nemo. So he's he's done a lot of these stories and things like that. So good storyline. So uh, oh, maybe I should talk about <laughs> Finding Nemo. About a little fish? No? Okay, here we go. Wally. Stick with Wally. You already did the introduction. I did the introduction. <laughs> so here we are. We're sitting down um, in the evening. Now, Wally is a little robot. And uh, he's, uh, his Wally stands, it's an acronym and it's like waste allocation, landfill, something, earth. I don't know what it is. But he's a, basically, um, this takes place far into the future. Um, the world has just been overrun with advertisement and next best big thing. And so people are just really drawn into advertisement. It starts uh, the movie with just sort of a, a looks like a post-apocalyptic uh, uh, setting there's garbage everywhere buildings abandoned dust no life that you can see and this little rattling of this little robot and every time this little robot on wills passes by some automated sensor an advertisement pops up about how you can have life better try this mm -hmm. it'll be better for you it'll be better it'll be better and you just can't get away from it well it's the story is they they've basically the world has just consumed so much that they've consumed everything and the planet is dead. So they uh, build an ark, a big ship and all of humanity has to escape earth because it's a dead planet. And what has happened to humankind is they were um, as the director uh, Stanton, Andrew Stanton says, you know, they, he wanted to, to think of a group of people that if you didn't have to do anything, what would we look like? Like big babies. And so he basically develops these characters as big babies and everything is spoon fed to them. They don't have to think, they don't have to observe, but Wally crashes into the middle of all that. He breaks everyone's, you know, uh, uh, lack of focus. And he takes the most misfit group of things and draws attention back to life. And it's in this little plant. It's with Eve these folks who have been so uh, marketed to, they've been so consumerism, they've been basically feeding themselves uh, through technology. Uh, the robot is the one who has this idea or concept of love, but the humans are passing by each other every single day and they, they can't even see one another. And let me just go on and say, here's what uh, the director said in an interview. He said, well, um, what's really interesting to me was an idea that a uh, most human thing in the universe would be a machine because it has more interest in finding out what the point of living is than actual people. The greatest commandment Christ gives us is to love, 
but that's not always our priority. So I came up with this premise that could demonstrate what I was trying to say, that irrational love defeats the world's programming. You've got these two robots who are trying to go above their, their basic directive, literally their programming to experience love. With human, with human characters, I wanted to show that our programming is the routines and habits that have distracted us to the point that we're not really making connections with people next to us. We're not engaging in relationships, which are the point of living relationships with God and relationship with others. Uh, interestingly enough, a lot of people thought this movie was about uh, the um, uh, global warming. <laughs> And they thought, you know, uh, it was had to do about, you know, nature and restoring the planet. And there's some of that there, too. But it was never really the full intent of what the uh, the writer director thought in the very beginning. I will check it out. (laughs) (laughs) Will you? (laughs) Peer pressure. No, I just think the important thing to do, and this is one of my uh, favorite topics in the world, is there's only so many themes in life and in literature and anything else. And you can uh, reach out into our culture and identify those things. If we just know what's going on around us, pay attention to that instead of becoming reclusive and redra- uh, drawing back into ourselves to make connections to the world that needs you know, the messages that intentionally or not are out there. You know, we might need to make that final connection to the story of Jesus for them, but you know, they're there, they're available to us and, and we can't get away from that. So uh, I get a little frustrated with my friends who are so reclusive and, um, you know, um, become the desert fathers that they have no, <laughs> <laughs> they, they have no connection to the world and don't want to do that. But there's a world that needs Jesus and the tools are sitting there right in front of us. So I'll keep on watching them and, and reading them. And I just, I just think that they're, the themes are all over the place and the people are longing to do it. You're right though, Paul, if we're willing to engage in that way, we can use so much around us that, uh, you know, I think absolutely God's like, yeah, I, I, that's for you to use. Um, again, I, I draw back to that Paul speaking on Mars Hill, you know, he's talking to, you know, the, the Greeks and all of their gods and everything that they had, and even an unknown God. And, He's stepped right into their culture. He's talking about, hey, let me explain to you what is unknown to you. I'm going to explain to you. And then he ends, even as your own poets have said, we are his offspring. You know, he just jumps right in and pulls the top 40 song off the charts and says, I'm going to quote it for you because the song is stuck in my head. We are his offspring. That's talking about God. It's talking about the relation that Christ wants to have with you. So absolutely, let's use it. So, Joey, Love it, man. you got a song? Do we have time? We have. Uh, <laughs> Do we have anything but You said it was going to go. Yeah, you have to be somewhere? <laughs> You're quarantined, man. Maybe. Sit down. <laughs> I, have, I, have, I have things to do. Uh, a <laughs> song. Um, no, there's no Rick Ashley. Um... <laughs> I can't work in this environment. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I would say the song, um, probably Cats in the Cradle. Oh, my goodness gracious. Um, so, Jonathan, did you start uh, crying when he said that? That's I, awesome. Just about. 
I have no feelings. Yeah. So. Are you drinking moonshine? Too? <laughs> Paul's dead on the inside, so it doesn't matter. It's true. Um, it's true. <laughs> it's water. Uh-huh. Not... Um, <laughs> Tell me about that. For that, it's to me, it's more, uh, I don't I mean, it's more relational. You know, it's like um, the dad doesn't have time for the son. Uh, and then as, as the kid grows up, dad never has time for him. And then when the dad does have time, son doesn't have time for the dad. Um, so for me, I know that's maybe like most of mine is probably a stretch, but um, I don't know. It's making, uh, making that connection, I guess, with God before it's too late. Um, although, you know, God, I don't think he's going to give up on us, but um, there will be a time. I mean, if you don't make that connection before you die, then, you know, it is too late. So, yeah, I, I think I, you know, I love that song. Uh, I remember as a kid um, uh, listening to Harry Chapin as a singer songwriter for that. And it just really struck me. I don't know why I was listening. I'd never had a dad around in my life. Um, never had a dad to play catch with me. Uh, I remember one time playing that 45 on my record player so much. I started crying. My mom's like, why are you crying? I'm like, he's dad and he didn't what? She's like, turn it off. <laughs> Stop listening to it. <laughs> it's going to make you cry. Um, but uh, that song has stuck with me. It's one of my, you know, I've got the record actually here. And um, I think the part was, you know, the dad is living his life and the little boy is observing. And he's observing. Mm-hmm. And he's observing in the, in the song, it's like, I'm going to be just like him. You know, he's the little boys. Um, when I, when I grow up, I'm going to be like him. And that's what happens. I think that's a, a picture of discipleship. You know, Jesus says, go make disciples and teach them to observe everything that I've commanded. Now I have, I think, read that in a way that that has been misinterpreted because I've read it in the NIV. It uses the word, teach them to obey everything that I've commanded. I think there's a big difference, and the the Greek word is not obey, it's observe. There's a big difference between teaching someone to obey something versus teaching them to observe something. And so how I live my life, it, it, what do people see? I have to be doing something for people to see to do. And they observe that, and that's what builds, you know, that discipleship. They're, they're learning what you're doing that Jesus taught you to do. Um, unfortunately, in that story, you know, the father uh, doesn't have time for the kid to throw the ball, uh, doesn't have time for anything except at the very end it, it does turn, right? So when the father has time, he's like, he'd grown up just like me, too busy, moving along. And relationship was lost. And um, what are we teaching? How we live that discipline out? You know, in that other side too, Joey, right? It's like you only have so long, you know, you're, you've got time here. This is the time now, today. So killer song. Paul, you know that song, don't you? You want me to play it for you? 
<laughs> no, thanks. Okay. I don't want you to cry. Uh, it's allergies, bro. It really is. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Scratch my eyes out. Okay. And like Joey said, I have I have no soul. I'm dead on the inside. So those things I actually hear and go, oh. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah? Well, let's play uh, Puff the Magic Dragon for you then. You're going to... Well, that's different. You're going to stay dry-eyed for that? <laughs> uh, for a different reason. It does dry my eye- eyes out. But um... <laughs> Little Jackie Paper. And thanks for joining us here on Grounds Beneath Gray. <laughs> this is our seventh, eighth, or whatever last episode. Last episode. Last episode. <laughs> I just want to, you know, put a challenge out there to our one listener. Yeah. <laughs> she's, hey, she's right over here. I, hear look, I was talking she's, to someone at the coffee shop and they said, hey, I was listening to your podcast. I was like, what? Really? Tell me about it. What What did we you say? <laughs> Would you yeah, don't have the any guys, Yeah, right. <laughs> Would you give us five stars on uh, Apple Music so we can... Uh, you. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you could win something if you just fill out this survey. That's great. (laughs) So I think the big deal is uh, talking about the idea, you know, the ground beneath grace. It really is. We're trying to, yeah, say, look, sometimes it's not always up. I think when we're talking about stuff like this, no matter, we're just trying to be honest. We're guys. Absolutely. 100%. I love God. I love what Christ has done at the cross. And I believe that I ask Jesus to help me with my unbelief because I do wrestle. Um, when Joe and I first started this, you know, I'd had a, a serious loss with a, a friend who lost his life to suicide. And so, you know, we were, I was in a place where I was like, wow, I'm just trying to figure some things out. And even as we're going through whatever, I, I would hope no one would listen to this if they're listening to this and think that this is a deep theological you know, we're just going to do some exegetical uh, hermeneutics or whatever fancy words we could throw out there. This is the place where we go. We, we could talk about this. We could say something and probably regret it. Um, that's the ground that's beneath grace. If we are living our lives, if we're breathing, it's because of God's grace that we have all the blessings in the world. It's because of God's grace that we have hope in, in resurrection and eternity with him. So... I think we have the uh, freedom, you know, not not to sin greatly so that grace might increase. But you know what? Even when we do, guess what happens? Grace increases. Hopefully, though, we're learning as we go along, maybe some things to say and not to say. But it is truly by the grace of God. It's not by my works. It's not by my efforts of taming my tongue. It's by the relationship that uh, he gives to me, uh, that God gives to me through Jesus. And this is the grounds beneath grace. All right. <laughs> okay. Well, based on that, Joey's got a lot of stuff to do, so <laughs> I hope you guys have a great night. Thanks, Jonathan. All right. <laughs> Thank you. I yeah. will talk with you later. Goodbye, everybody. All right.